Hey guys, welcome to the BWAMS podcast. My name is Richie and I'll be your host. BWAMS is the Barbed Wire Open Mic series and we're coming to you from Power at the Pass here in El Paso, Texas. And we have a very special guest for you today. We have one of my good friends and an amazing poet and performer. Uh, we're here to talk today a little bit about her work, her journey as a spoken word performer and uh, publishing her chapbook and pretty much her goals moving forward as a, as a writer poet and performer. Uh, it's cool. She's our very first literary themed guest. So hopefully we can have an awesome discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Rachel Marie in the studio. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm doing good. Thank you for awesome inviting to me today, here. Richie. I'm very excited. Awesome. Very excited to be here and talk about uh, talk about myself a little bit. Always. It's a good, uh, <laughs> it's a good exercise and in, in, uh, just, you know, measuring the ego, you know, see where we're at. But, you know, I, I do. I think uh, it's great having you as a guest. Because um, I'd say 2016 was a pretty great year uh, for the poetry scene, okay? Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, I'm, I'm speaking from someone who, you know, has seen the ups and downs. Uh, there's been waves, there's been different movements. And I'd say, you know, the last year we've, we've seen a really great renaissance of sorts with poetry events in the city. And uh, Renaissance, I like that. <laughs> the revival. Maybe, Maybe I'm putting too much into it, <laughs> but you know, I my understanding is that it's also pretty much the first year you started performing and sharing stuff that you've written. Is that correct? Yeah, um, I uh, the the first time I had ever performed in front of a mic um, mm. and shared my own work was uh, it was actually at a, a domestic violence awareness. Uh, performance at uh, Monarch and uh, a friend of mine who was organizing that had invited me to read and um, this was back in like 2014 2015 and I just kind of stayed away from it uh, for the longest time because okay. in my head it was like I needed to be invited in and, order to well, okay and that, that kind of so I'm interested how did you get invited to that one did you share your did they was it a good friend who knew that you wrote or was it because of the theme of the night that they asked you to kind of present something? It was it was pretty much just someone I, I had known for, for some years, and, and they knew that writing was something that I did. Um, I don't think that they had ever read anything of what I had written. Okay. So I think they just kind of jumped out on a limb and was like, hey, you write things. Why don't you come and share? Uh -huh. um, and so it wasn't until the very first um, uh, Frontera event back yes. in uh, June of 2015. That was the very first one ever, huh? Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, I, I I had seen the ad for it and, uh, you know, I decided to throw my old, you know, well, if, if I'm going to perform, I uh -huh. have to be invited to perform. And so I was just like, you know, like. Let's go. Let's let's go for it. Yeah. And uh, it was it was a great experience. You know, I got to meet um, some of the the greatest people, some of the greatest writers, and that ended up being some of my best friends, um, including yourself, Richie, um, Sarah Walker, uh, yes. um, everybody, everybody that 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 helps in the slam. Um, and so it was just it was definitely a worthwhile experience. Um, but I remember being very, uh, very hesitant and very, very scared, very, um, 
I, I, I didn't start, I didn't have a strong start, to I don't think. for the first time. Yeah, okay. and I, I remember, you know, obviously, you know, the points don't matter. It's about the poetry. <laughs> That's what we will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I just remember uh, that if someone had gotten eliminated the first round, because for some reason, that very first event, no one got eliminated the first round. Oh, yeah. And I, I had been doing the math along, like, as the, as the round oh, was wow. going. You and were I was, ready. And I was yeah. just like, oh, I'm not going to make it to the next round. Uh, but because no one got eliminated, I did. Um, you advanced, yeah. Yeah. But it's just, after that, it was just pure tenacity but at you, that point. You caught on uh, pretty quickly. In fact, uh, at the time... Our team of organizers wasn't very big at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, essentially, you know, I would say uh, Sarah and I just kind of started from scratch and started recruiting mm-hmm. aw- the awesome people we all know today <laughs> and uh, such a, a great crew. But, you know, I, I do remember that your performance was so great. I, you were pretty much quickly invited to be featured. Yeah, it was, yeah. I think, I believe it was the very next event it after was, that. It was, exactly. That's that, what I mean, um, like, perform for the first time and then all of a sudden get asked to feature. Yeah. And that's, uh, if that was any indicator of the trajectory that you would be on, it would, you know, I think that's a good sign is, mm-hmm. uh, and what do you think about that event being featured? And, and we had it at Jovenian Bronson's, which was a, it's, it's a cool venue. I love it there. Would you, what were your thoughts and experiences of being your first feature? Um, I just, I remember it being such an incredible night. Um, I remember, um, I, I I think the 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 moment that sticks out the most in my head um, from that night, uh, it wasn't anything from when I was featuring or when I was up on the mic, but it was um, when we were doing the open mic portion because I, I believe we didn't have a competition that time; it was just an open mic. Okay. And um, so people were just going up to the mic and sharing, and uh, a young girl. Mm-hmm. Walk like was being encouraged by her aunt to go because yes. we had we had been doing the prompts That's the writing right. prompts from the from the piñata, and she like coaxed that little girl to go up on the stage and she was so nervous to share her piece which was about I think like bees or something mm-hmm. like yeah it was it was like hard hitting like the the death of bees or something like that something um, that speaks to us all in our, our mm-hmm. mortality and I just remember this 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 girl was embarrassed and. You just see a bar full of adults turning their backs to this girl, so that way she would have the courage to perform. That's right. I remember that. And I, it was just, I, it was that moment that that knew that let me know that I was part of a good community. Mm-hmm. That that I was among people um, who were very much of the same uh, mindset as myself. And I think I think that more than anything, that sense of community um, is is the backbone of organizations like that, of, of like this, of projects like this. Um, if you don't have a strong community, you're not going to have a strong poetry scene. Definitely. I agree. And uh, for people listening who aren't too familiar, do you think you can explain a little bit about what a poetry slam is? As of- I think that, I think that might help a little for some people. Yeah. Of course. Um, so a poetry slam is a- an event where people compete um, so it is a three-round event in which people share original poems um, to an audience uh, filled with random judges who are selected from the audience and then scored uh, based on their performance, based on their writing. Um, poets are given three minutes on the mic to just spill their guts out. Yeah. And um, 
you know, they then they advance progressively in rounds um, until the final round when a winner is chosen and then they eventually go on to compete in um, that year's finals. Yeah, finals are, I, I know they've been referred to as a Grand Slam or just a final where all the champions face off against each mm-hmm. other. And uh, you have the honor and distinction of being our our very first uh, Grand Slam champion, yep. which is uh, 2016. <laughs> And uh, so starting 2017, right, I'm starting this podcast, the Bewalms podcast. And my goal, you know, partly from this podcast is to highlight, you know, the highly creative, talented and passionate individuals that we see on the poetry scene and and performing music and and really just uh, pouring out themselves and and in the creation of this community and i you've already touched on that and i think it's such a a beautiful thing and i'd like to maybe explore right um how we've grown and so tell me about what was that like winning the the first ever frontera slam championship it was surreal Mm -hmm. it was something that i honestly had no idea was gonna happen and you know People would kind of talk to me like, oh, well, of course you won. Of course, you know, this was how it happened. But in my mind, that that it was never a given like that. It was yeah. I was going up against some incredible, incredible poets mm-hmm. um, and and many of which who had years of experience on me. Um, I, and I remember, you know, pe- people were asking me leading up to leading up to the Grand Slam, like, like, who are you most scared of? Who who who? Oh yeah. Who are you most nervous to go I, up I against? I missed all that trash talk. <laughs> and it wasn't trash no, talk. I know, it I know, was I'm the opposite like... of trash talk. It's like who's so good that they are scaring you? And I kept remembering because I, I knew that uh, I knew that one of the people that I was going to be going up against was uh, was Celia Celia Aguilar. Oh yes, she's a and great writer. She is a phenomenal poet, phenomenal performer, and I just I remember. I was like, she has been doing this for so long. There is no way, you know, mm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat her. Um, but, you know, I slowly, I just like, I kept progressing per round, and finally, I made it to the the top three, and I was just like, this is actually happening. This is really happening. Like, yeah. if I don't win, I don't even care. I made it to the last three. Like, That's... I'm okay with this. I'm okay with my life choices right now. Um, and I remember it was it was incredible because it's it's I was surrounded by my my best friends. I was surrounded um, by my I actually had members of my family, um, and that was the first time anybody from my family had to come out to one of these events to see um, what it is that I do. And it was it was my sister, her husband, and my brother. Um, and I I know that they don't quite understand why I do what I do or mm-hmm. you know the the scene itself, but. Just to have them supporting me there was just, it was incredible. Like I said, it was such a surreal night. It was just, mm-hmm. it, it felt like the years of working on my craft had finally started to pay off. Yeah, what a what a year. Even I mean, obviously you, you were working on it previously, but it was this, this kind of come out year where you just started performing and you just went full force. And uh, 
I really enjoyed that that final. <laughs> it was from from beginning to end. It was it was solid and it was so supportive. And I was I was joking right now about the the trash talk thing, but it's <laughs> I like the idea of just kind of playing off a, a championship match that you would see in any sporting event. Mm-hmm. You do have like the teams and and I just love how you know essentially everyone was just enjoyed being there and and hopefully we can continue to have that for for many years to come mm-hmm. um, how do you see Frontera slam moving forward and, and and reaching out to the community more so um well ideally and 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 i think collectively as well mm-hmm. there's this desire um to use this platform as not only a, a way to give people a voice, give people a way to express themselves very much like uh, what BWOMS does, mm-hmm. um, but also to use those voices and to use our platform and our, our audience especially um, as a way to contribute to and help our community um, and 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 to just grow and build in these networks um, nationally, regionally, yes. reaching out to these, reaching out to these different people. Um, but I think most importantly, I would love if um, we as a collective, we as a group, um, could use our very unique position as as a border slam um, yeah. to. To, to highlight what the border truly is, mm-hmm. to to change the narrative about what the border is. Yeah. Um, and obviously we're not the first or definitely going to be the last people to kind of challenge that narrative, but I do think it's important that we contribute to um, changing that narrative and, and showing just the, the multitude of stories and the multitude of voices that come from a border community and that come from the different... Um, the different uh, uh, demographics the different experiences the different people mm-hmm. you know that that come from such a colorful and vibrant community oh most definitely and that's that's one of my favorite things and it's it's so representative one of my favorite things about to me I'll pass that it that just is so exactly is is uh, embodied in what you just said um I feel like our poetry scene specifically right and in, mm-hmm. in, in the poetry slam world has always stood out mm-hmm. and this is something that that always interests me uh, you know i want to give a shout out to to freehold slam which has been uh, um also a slam group in el paso that uh you know years ago were, were rocking it mm-hmm. okay and and it was there when i first started to participate and i noticed then and i notice it now we have such a unique and distinct cornucopia mm-hmm. of voices and performers like you said how do you feel you've improved or what kind of things have you learned in terms of stage presence how to use your voice um certain strategies and techniques that that uh, you feel have grown with you along the way um well i think i think one thing that was probably the most challenging thing was getting used to getting used to my own voice. And I, I, I don't necessarily mean that just at its at its most basic level, but getting used to the fact that when you're up on stage and you're presenting, you're performing, to embrace the voice that you have within you, to embrace the way that you deliver, mm-hmm. 
and to not um, get hung up on does this sound like a slam poem? Yes, that's and that's a big um, debate matter mm-hmm. of debate. You know what what people call the slam poet voice. Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly, and it's 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 become almost kind of like a stereotype and archetype. Yeah, and I, I remember you know being a, a being a little. Um, intimidated by that when I when I first started you know and I was like I'm never gonna be good enough I'm never gonna you know sound as good as these poets you know because obviously when you first start getting in the slam scene something that you'll do is you'll you'll go on YouTube you'll start watching all these other slam performers Mm -hmm. and you kind of start to mimic the way that they they perform Mm -hmm. and I, I I think the hardest thing for me to do was to get over those expectations and just embrace the way that I deliver my poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, someone had made a comment recently that I I tend to have a very like sensual moany quality to to when I perform. Stay tuned, listeners. We're gonna get a, a performance, so we, we can leave it up to the audience to to give feedback if that's the case. And so, and that was just that was so funny to me because I was just like, I I can kind of see how I do that, but that's just that's just me. That's just how I present my voice. That's how I present my stories. Uh-huh. Um. And I think just finding like being being authentic, being genuine, yes. and I think that that's been the uh, the way that I've grown the most um, in the past what almost two years doing this, um, and learning to be okay with with that authenticity, learning okay to be um, with the imperfections and with the the, the little flaws. Most definitely. Uh... This is reminding me, you know, I, I kind of do agree with that, that assessment. Um, I think part, part, part of the way through is when you, when you started, you know, performing more and becoming part of the crew. One thing I started to do is I, I, I really wanted to get into recording poets, mm-hmm. which is something I, I hadn't really seen anyone doing. Uh, so we tried it, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, I, you know, I think I recorded quite a few with you, actually, like maybe, a, maybe four of them. I think three so. Three or four? Three or four, something but like that. I, I definitely do remember you even just... It's different, right? Recording. Mm-hmm. I think recording is a great way to practice mm-hmm. uh, your poems, but also get a good sense of, of hearing yourself and, and figuring out that voice that you're talking about. And, yeah. Uh, there are a couple, you know, and I think this might be a good segue to, to talk about, you know, what are the, the things that other poets try and do, especially maybe in the, the poetry scene, slam poetry scene, and I, this is a podcast, so you can't see me doing air quotes, but <laughs> the quote unquote slam poetry scene, you know, there's a big debate about whether slam poetry is a genre mm-hmm. or is it just poetry, mm-hmm. you know, because there are, there are the tendencies to want to emulate a certain style, mm-hmm. right, of, of uh, performativity. But at the end of the day, it's people just wanting to write and get published just like any other poet mm-hmm. right and so for a lot of people the transition from word to performance or, or making sure that you capture performance to text right is an interesting journey in its own right mm-hmm. and so i have in my hand a copy of your very first chapbook and i say the very first because i imagine it's one of many and we'll get to that as well this is a uh, it's an awesome uh, essentially diy project um i love chapbooks you can find them, and then I'll pick them up any chance I have. And more so, I love getting chapbooks from friends. And so your your chapbook is titled Resistance, 
Persistence and Love Sickness. Great name. Has <laughs> awesome cover art. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about your chapbook? Sure. Um, so the chapbook was a project that I started um, a little over a little over a year ago. It was back in like fall of 2015 um, when I started it. So it was just a few short months after I first started getting into the slam scene. And I started noticing, um, you know, that it was this DIY approach of other poets to just take, you know, a handful of their poems, put them in a book, um, print off copies and sell them. Um, And I I just I remember being so in love with the idea. I've Mm -hmm. always been a huge fan of DIY. I've always been a huge fan of just, you know, kind of like radically taking the not to get too political, but the means of production, like please, back into your do. own no, hands. I did. I stopped Daniel the other day. Like he's, he stopped himself too, but mm-hmm. isn't art political though? Art is absolutely the very political. Of it, so no, by all means, go for it. Okay. <laughs> um, so production. Yes. So it was, it was just, to me, it just seemed like such a radical act mm-hmm. of just taking, you know, cause you, you usually think of publishing and it's very elitist. It's very, you know, oh, yes. and, submit your manuscript and, you know, get, get judged by this panel of people who can determine what is high literature. Literature, what is low literature? It's, it's uh, it, it most definitely is, and I know you and Sarah recently had a, an experience when mm. I, invited, I felt bad too because I invited you guys <laughs> to go to this event and like yeah talk about the slam, and uh, you, you you saw firsthand uh, and it yeah wasn't the first time won't be the last either right no but, absolutely not I love this this idea of a chapbook as a as a radical project mm-hmm. you know? so love that. And and yeah, so I, I I loved the idea of it. I loved I loved just what it stood for, and so I I had made up my mind. I was just like, I'm gonna make one of those. I don't care how long it takes me to do it. I'm gonna make one of those. Um, but then it just everything just seemed to fall into place. You know, like all of a sudden one day I was, I think I was you know walking to work and the title just kind of fell into my head. And then I was like, oh, okay, I have a title, I have a theme, I have wow. this, I have that. I know exactly which poems to put here. I know know which poems I need to write. I know what the cover is gonna look like. Um, and so it was just it was just a couple of months of just getting everything together. Um, and with my my original with because uh, I've done two prints, uh, so I did the first one um, that that fall. Mm-hmm. And it was very, um, very much analog. So it was very like oh, old yeah. school zine style. So it literally was cut and paste and photocopied. Um, and so it, it just, it was something that I just, I was manic about it almost. I was just like, I, I, I need to get this out there. Yeah. And, and uh, one, of the, one of the greatest parts about that project was how supportive people were. Um, when I was telling them what I was doing or when I would tell them, you know, I need help. Yeah. Um, when I assembled my chapbooks, it was in your apartment with yeah. uh, with a few other of our friends, um, just folding page after page after page. I loved it. It's it's great, and I, I'll always you know have a, a fond spot you know of a great a grand memory mm-hmm. of us just sitting there folding your pages and then, like <laughs> the covers, and and then in the end, my favorite part, like when we did the first one and. And then we all read it out loud. We went through the whole thing and just like took turns reading the poems. Yeah. Wow, that was that was magical. And that's to me, that's the kind of 
what we're looking for, right, in this community. And, and so I always appreciate that. And I, and I love this this copy here. I have a first edition, you know, <laughs> of the copy. You know, and I, I know you also want to eventually get into publishing or look into publishing. Mm-hmm. And so you, you learn some things, right, with this first absolutely absolutely um i i learned a lot of what not to do what to do um i learned to be very much more careful about grammatical errors because there's typos in the first edition and some of the covers are crooked and then the ink is wearing off on some of them um so it it was it was (laughs) It's definitely not something I regret doing, but it's just looking back, I'm like, okay, I know how to make a better quality mm-hmm. chapbook in the future. Okay. And I was about to say, like, you know, it's always, it could always be poetic license. <laughs> People, you know, maybe 20 years from now will be looking over a typo and be like, what is, <laughs> why did you spell it this way? And, and I think of, of, of Barth's death of the author at this point, you know, it's mm-hmm. how people receive the work. I don't know. I love it. Tell me about the, the art on, on, in the chapbook. Um, so all of it's done handmade by myself. Um, in addition to being a writer, I am, I dabble in visual art. Um, okay. So the cover is a lino cut, which is basically a carving in a block of linoleum, and then you use it as a stamp um, to create a print. Um, so that's what the cover is. And then the inside, it's a combination of um, just ink drawings and then collage. Collage art is, is something that I I'm really, really love to do. Um, it's always just so very meditative and relaxing for me, and it's, it's, I love the idea of taking... A lot of different parts, putting them together, making something entirely new. You know, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's uh, it's very indicative of who we are as people. Great, I love that. Now, before we move on from the book, it's a it's a great collection, and uh, you know, for your you know just your your debut piece that that you get to share with people, I just uh, I find it a, a nice collection of poems, and uh, they it's it's a meeting of world, emerging of worlds of both. I was thinking of of both the sensual and and the powerful and then the ritual, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of uh, ritualistic, uh, you know, habitual things that you incorporate here that that become acts of power or defiance or or of of uh, something more sensual, you know. And there's, you know, I'm, I'm looking through it here. Yeah. Would you like to share any of the pieces from your chapbook? Sure. Um, so I'll just share a short one um, from the very beginning. Um, And this one is titled, Hungry Men. I'm tired of feeding men's egos and their appetites bigger than their eyes or hearts. I'm tired of feeding the armies in them when they only throw me scraps and call me greedy to beg for something more. They carve and feast. I fast and weep. Use those bitter tears to salt the meat. I fast and pray for the day when there is enough for all. But for now, with tail between my legs, I whimper instead and dance beside cook fires. I gnaw on splintered bones and draw circles in warm ashes. Wow, wow. So hungry men. What a, I mean, what a title too, right? Um, on stanza four, but for now with tail between my legs, I whimper instead 
and which is kind of going one way, but then you, you transform it and dance beside cook fires. I gnaw on splintered bones and draw circles and warm ashes. Uh, what a way to leave it off, you know? Um, what would you say um, a goal of your poetry is, like so maybe in a piece like this? Um, I think I think uh, my goal in, in this piece and in a lot of my other pieces is um, to definitely draw attention to to the, the the vulnerability of of human beings, um, but particularly um, the vulnerability of women and of mm. of of people who live their lives as women, um, because it's it's an experience that is unique to each and each and every individual um, person, and I think that there is a lot of unseen or unspoken ritual that comes with being a woman there's a lot of unspoken um like i said vulnerability vulgarity and ugliness that we don't talk about Mm -hmm. because there is a very specific mold of what woman is supposed to be yeah and when you when you look at it and when you listen to the voices and the stories of actual women you start to get a much more complete picture and you start to realize how much we endure um, at the hands of, you know, society, at the hands of men, at the hands of, of expectations. And so I, I, I think that's something that I wanted to draw upon. And it's not me saying, you know, and I, I hate that I have to say this, of, of course not all men are awful you to should, women. And you shouldn't yeah. have to say that, They're, you know. But it's, it's definitely something that is, is such... A persistent reminder in our lives, and we we have to um, we we come up with very very creative ways to handle that and to yes. and to fight against that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's what this poem and a lot of my work tries to do. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, there's a certain sense of uh, vulnerability and in turning ritual into an act of power, right? Mm-hmm. Drawing circles and warm ashes, which. Uh, I don't know, creates this kind of imagery of, of you working some sort of magic, you know, and, and uh, magic of, of the earth and, and understanding who you are. And, and uh, you know, my, I think uh, one of my favorite lines, of piece, parts of the piece you read, just uh, I think the opening line matched with the title, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, drawing on this pervasive nature, right, of uh, <laughs> what you have, to, the kind of role, right, of having to feed men's egos, mm-hmm. right, which is... Uh, sometimes not understood mm-hmm. by by some men. I get that. And then you have to... Um, and then I love that line in their appetites, bigger than their eyes or hearts. Like, you don't you don't know. You have no idea. You can't... <laughs> you can't comprehend. You, you can't, yeah. And there's, a I think, maybe even a, a lot of sacred knowledge. Maybe not sacred knowledge, but just an attempt to, to turn maybe uh, the mundane or, or, or subversive acts into a sacred thing. Absolutely. I see in a lot of your imagery and a lot of your poems. Uh, perhaps one of my favorites is is in a prayer protest piece, <laughs> which uh, I have to mention because I, <laughs> I just love the way it came out. <laughs> yeah. And, was uh, that uh, was that during our first recording session? Uh, I believe when so. Yeah, and it? and you showed me you showed me the uh, the triptych triptych uh, the tripitch tripitch. There you yeah. go. I always I always mess it up. 
Um, but it's the you know the idea of 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 a piece. I mean, it's it's originally from music, but you know, translating it into into poetry, which obviously are very close cousins, mm-hmm. um, and and just kind of breaking it down into its components, and each individual piece has its own energy. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was really, really heavily influenced by that piece. It, it kind of worked out, and it, it had to do with where our dis- our discussion went. So just to kind of fill in context. <clears throat> Yeah, okay. So just to <laughs> fill in context, uh, you came over to record for the very first time one of your pieces. Uh, what did we record? Was it was it fragments? Uh, fractions. Fractions, yeah. sorry. <laughs> uh, you have flowers and fractions and all these, all these flowery words. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, yeah. So you came in and, and we recorded um, your, first pe- your first piece, uh, mm-hmm. Fractions. And... Um, I love the cover art for that too, like all the little cover art that we did for those. Mm-hmm. But I think just, uh, and that's the way I like to record is like just to hang out and, and talk and, and get a sense of, of what you're aiming for in your in your poetry. And just, uh, you know, I think we had just kind of barely been knowing each other, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think we, we had some beer. I think there's always a little bit of beer involved. Or Most likely. Something to drink with. Uh, <laughs> or wine or something like that. Uh, Might have been whiskey. I, it it could have been anything, really. But that's not really the point. I I, I remember we were talking about protest and, and subversiveness. And mm-hmm. something I was recently listening to was uh, Max Roach, okay, mm-hmm. who uh, is a very, very famous drummer. And he had a, a group featuring uh, Abby Lincoln on vocals. And uh, the name of the album was We Insist, mm-hmm. Freedom Now Sweet. And it, it was a, a protest album. And, and the, the track that drew my attention the most was that one song, which is the tri-pitch. Mm-hmm. And of course, the title was, was Prayer, Protest, Peace. I love the way they set it up. Mm-hmm. And so we listened to it. And it's such a powerful thing because it does, each se- section has its own power and energy with it, within it, power mm-hmm. and energy within it. And uh, I love the fact that you wanted to transform that through your own experiences and words. It's a, it's, it's a great poem. And it was, it was fun to record that one. We eventually ended up, once you wrote it, we recorded that. I just, on the cuff, right, we mm-hmm. kind of improvised the music, which... Uh, probably was my favorite poem record of all the others I've recorded of all the other poets or anything, just because I, I uh, just did some live sound and mm-hmm. I, and I responded off of your words and tried to like move along with your words, right. Both musically. So I played a djembe and a rain stick mm-hmm. and it made it work. And, and it, uh, it came out incredible. Incredible. So, um, and th- this is the reason why I'm bringing it up. It's a good transition because, uh, you got your start off doing some recording. And now, in addition to your chapbook, you're going to be releasing a CD of your work. So tell me about that. I'm really excited to, to hear this. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, so another one of our good friends, um, Ralph Martinez. Shout out to Ralph. Um, who does several podcasts across, uh, across the city, is a wonderful um, sound engineer. And he, he had been offering to, to do the simil- a very similar thing, you know, just like, hey, come over one day, we'll record, uh, we'll record some poems. And um, so we started talking about this idea of we should record a CD, mm-hmm. put a couple poems on it, and, you know, I could, I could 
sell them just at open mics and different events like that, the same way that I do the chapbook. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that, and I went over one night, and we just sat down. We we set everything up. I recorded all the pieces. It was one, done in one session. It was like seven poems done in one recording session. Um, and I, I ended up with a, with a really good... Um, uh, piece out of it, you know, and it was, uh, so we ended up, I ended up calling it, uh, enemies at the door, um, which was inspired a lot by, um, continual motifs in a lot of the poems that ended up being on the CD. And it's this idea of, of the external, um, encroaching on the internal and the experiences that, um, that come as, as, as a result of that. Um, and, and, you know, there, there's, there's a lot, cause, uh, the track that we recorded for prayer prote- protest piece is actually on that CD as well. And there's this, there's this one line at the very beginning of the, the prayer portion where it's, it's something along the lines of, um, one day my, my door won't blow in and the, my home won't house the voices of any trying to restrain me. And I just, I, I, I played with that idea and I finally came up with this title, Enemies at the Door. Um, and it's, it's not a very literal title. It's def- definitely uh, very metaphorical. It's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, enemies can be anything from, you know, ex-lovers or, um, you know, other oppressive forces um, you know, it, there, there's, there's definitely an, an air of, of political resistance to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which follows along the very, uh, very same lines, very similar lines as my other work. Great. And, uh, a lot of these are, are new pieces, new poems. Some of them are, some okay. of them are, are, are newer. Um, some of them are old pieces that have kind of been revived or some pieces okay. that maybe I hadn't visited in a while. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's a blend. It's a blend of stuff. Great. I can't, uh, I can't uh, wait to hear it. In fact, hopefully, I know you're going to, you're, you're going to be featured at the Black Orkin Lounge, our, our open mic, probably our most popular open mic, mm-hmm. uh, this coming Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time this episode is out, it will have already happened, but you're planning on, uh, you have some CDs that you'll be selling. I think. How, how much are you planning on selling them for? I think I'm going to go with $8, but I okay. haven't quite um, figured out the pricing well, yet. I think we'll, $8 probably. We'll let you figure it out. And uh, <laughs> the other thing is I hope you do put it online on, on Bandcamp. So, mm-hmm, absolutely. You know, and uh, I remember I actually had an opportunity to do that as well. I, I recorded, a, you know, there was just a, a time in my life where I just... And I guess I still do it, but I just preoccupy myself with work and projects mm-hmm. in a good way. Not, you know, not uh, stuff that I feel is meaningful work and, and stuff I want to do, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I think that's such a, a blessing uh, to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's great. I was able to record uh, Melissa Austin's CD, uh, which was a slow-built, joy-filled. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it's it's cool, you know. I'm, I'm, I like this idea that... Um, in addition to the actual events, the slams, the open mics, that we're also producing media and content mm-hmm. so we can continue to, again, uh, let people know that this is happening here in El Paso, our, our, our binational tri-state area mm-hmm. um, with our, our unique cast of voices. Absolutely. You know, because uh, we still get the thing where I didn't know El Paso had something, you know, yeah. from... 
from performers and and uh, very much again you know the in this last episode when i had valentina as a guest we were talking a little bit about the morphology of the name of the city mm-hmm. el paso el paso mm-hmm. and for many it's just uh even touring groups and just people through i-10 through the railroad it's always been kind of this passing area mm-hmm. but there's there's stuff here and that's what we continue to want to create mm-hmm. right so cool um so moving forward, now that you've, you know, you're just, again, moving at this this great pace, I think. Uh, it's something to be looked up to, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I think hopefully it encourages anyone who's listening, if you've ever considered, you know, performing or, or publishing any work uh, or recording anything, just do it. You know, uh, find the right people to help you. And, and if you're not sure, come find us. Go Absolutely. check out Frontetta Poetry Slam. Absolutely. Go find barbed wire and, and we can help you with that. Yeah, um, re- reach out to any one of us and we will set you up with the right people who, yeah. who can help make your vision a reality. Um, because that's that's what it's about. It's, it's about producing these things. It's about producing these works of art and um, recording the world around us and the experiences around yes. us. And, and not necessarily putting the city on the map, but showing what kind of what kind of people that we produce and showing yeah. that that we are just as good if not better i i totally agree. as we as can, other major artistic hubs yes we're gonna get we're going to get there and and it's from the kind of community we've been able to create um mm-hmm. so check that out for sure and now i guess maybe to just start wrapping up i know that you're definitely not done you know, no. you uh, you've won this, you've won the championship. You have a chapbook. You have a CD out. There's no need to retire just yet. <laughs> so I'm sh- I know you have plans moving forward. Mm-hmm. Do you want to share some of those with listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, so my next, um, unfortunately, my next project that I was planning on doing, uh, I will not be able to do. Um, I was going to be competing in Women of the World Poetry Slam, Mm. um, which is an international competition um, for women, uh, people who live their lives as women, non-binary folks. Mm that was going to be taking, or that is taking place in Dallas in March. Um, Unfortunately, and also fortunately, I got a job that just will not allow me to um, travel at that time. Right. Um, so hopefully one of our other, uh, amazingly talented women will be able to take my place. Mm-hmm. Um, so going forward, I, I, I do want to put a lot more of my energies into, um, creating another chapbook. Um, I've, it's been something I've been brainstorming for a while, um, tossing around different themes, different ideas. Um, so I'm, I'm expecting to probably have that done by the summer. Um, and, Another thing that I, I really have been trying to focus more of my energies on is, uh, you know, submitting to different literary journals, um, just getting getting my voice more out there. Um, and eventually I, I would love to, you know, do the do the great writer thing and write my novel, yeah. you know, <laughs> and and I um, see you at Starbucks with that computer <laughs> open. All right. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, I mean. Kind of going back onto what we were talking about, you know, this difference between performance, poetry, and more what would be considered, I guess, quote, quote unquote, literary, um, on the page Mm -hmm. writing, um, not to, not to, you know, disparage one or the other because they're, they're 
both extremely valid and both um, both very important means of expression. Absolutely. Um, I just I, I feel like I do want to explore more so the the more literary side of writing, the more you know on the page producing tangible uh, pieces of art that you can hold in your hand. Um, it's definitely been something I, I've, I've always been very passionate about. Um, yes. So that will definitely be a lot of my, my, my energies will be put forth to going forward. And, and so the great thing is that, you know, you already have momentum going forward. And uh, hopefully with what we've been doing here these past few years, we can uh, all help each other kind of achieve our goals in, in publishing and just continuing to, create a space for younger generations even mm-hmm. uh, which you know maybe i'd like to end off with this you know if there are any young poets out there listening or anyone who are not even young poet but just of any age wanting to to go after something do you have any advice out there for them do it just do it just hey, i feel just, like just trademark it <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, and I don't mean to be, you know, so cliche about like, just do it, you know, so Shia LaBeouf about it. Just, um, do it. just do it. But honestly, that's kind of what it boils down to. You know, it's you. It's not enough to desire to want to be a, a writer, to want to produce things. It's you have to actually just sit down in front of your computer, sit down in front of your notebook and just start producing. Um, and what you're going to find is that the more you do it, the more comfortable you become, the easier it comes to you. And then you start to surprise yourself. Oh. Um, and that's where, that's where it starts getting really, really fun. Um, is, is when you just, it's almost as if, you know, your, your hand has a mind of its own and you write something out and you're just like, that came out of my brain. somehow in some way that came out of my brain and then you just feel really proud of yourself and it's 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 almost like chasing a weird high and you want to keep replicating that um and so that's that's probably my biggest my biggest advice is just write as much and as often as you can don't worry about what it what it is or what it's saying or if you even like it or not because you can always get rid of it if you don't like it yeah. and you can always or you can always edit you know there's there's always so many things that you can do with a first draft but you have to have the first draft first absolutely um and there, there's this great quote uh i cannot for the life of me remember who says it um so i hate to say this quote like uncredited look it up um but it's something like a first draft doesn't have to do anything but exist and in, 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 in that it's perfect the way it is or something like that. Um, and I, I just, I remember like, it's, it's something that pops up in my head all the time okay. because it's when I find myself, you know, kind of teetering on that edge of not producing anything or, or, you know, starting to second guess myself or doubting, I, I kind of repeat that to myself and I'm like, it's okay. I just have to keep writing. And it's, it's, Honestly, writing has saved my life. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Uh, do you have any writing routines? Like, how do you write? Is there, Do you have to sit down in a certain spot, a certain, spot certain time? Or what? what's the best time for you to write? Um, I usually produce most of my work at night. 
Um, I'm, I'm definitely much more of a nocturnal person. Um, but I've, I've found that the more, the more I've re- the more I've gotten into writing, um, the more I've written, that the easier that the ideas come or lines will come to me. And so I've had to get into the habit where I always have to have something to write in, no matter where I'm at. So I have a notebook in my car. Yeah. I have several notebooks that I carry with me to work. I have several notebooks at home. Um, I always have my computer with me. I always have my phone with me. And I just have fragments everywhere. Yeah. I, I and, and, and I'm not encouraging this because it's dangerous. Um, <laughs> oh, uh-oh. But... I I have a notebook in my car, and if I have something that comes to me, I will stop at a red light. Watch out, guys. And, Rachel's getting inspired. <laughs> and write in my notebook until the light turns green. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> because it's just, it's, like I said, you start to surprise yourself, and it, the more you do it, the more natural it comes. Um, so I don't necessarily have many rituals just because it's it's... It's such an integral part of my life that it's become a daily habit um, without me even trying for it to be a daily habit. That's great. And, it, you know, I think uh, someone once told me, you know, a writer will find time to write, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's, you know, that changes me all the time because I I'm not doing that. So seeing the, the great work that you're doing really does inspire me personally, that it shows me that I'm slacking it. Oh, that, no. Uh, and we don't need to get into that but my point is that I really respect that the kind of work you've put in to your writing and and producing all this stuff Uh, so I really appreciate it and I'm I'm happy to have you here as our our, technically our first literary guest on the show and hopefully we can have you on next time to talk about your next chapbook and the next time you win the poetry slam or (laughs) or, you know we can we can do a front data poetry slam version as well Mm. Uh, so maybe to close things off I I honestly do believe that creation requires influence Mm -hmm. so I'd like to know who are some of your, your main influences as a writer Oh wow, there's there's so many honestly. Um I'm 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 very heavily influenced by a lot of like the the major uh Chicana uh writers, so you know like Sandra Cisneros, Ana Castillo. Um very very huge influences on my work incorporating um I think that whole idea of magic and 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 the experience okay. of a woman into into work. Um Another one of my favorite writers would be um, Anais Nin, uh, who's, who's very well known for her diaries, very well known for her erotica, um, and someone just who writes with with such passion and emotional integrity. Um, I, I remember falling in love with her as soon as soon as I read her. Um, but I'm also very much inspired by writers that I know. Um, okay. A lot of the projects that I do, a lot of the uh, the writing that I do, I don't think would have been possible without some of the writers that I know personally and have mm-hmm. worked with personally. Um, so people that we've talked about or mentioned before, you know, mm-hmm. Melissa Austin is the oh. reason I started doing chat books. Yes. Um, uh, one of the one of the first uh, poets I ever saw perform was Viva Flores. Um, oh, and she's phenomenal. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Um, and you know, just just seeing the seeing the poets in in the slam, you know, Sarah Walker, uh, Tate, um, mm-hmm. Celia, 
uh, AJ, all of them who are dear, near and dear friends to me, but they inspire me daily. Mm -hmm. um, just because I've seen the kind of work that they are capable of producing. Um, and just what, what vulnerability and what honesty oh, can do in work. It's beautiful. And if you don't recognize any of those names, you need to get out there. <laughs> all right, and go support the scene, be part of the scene. And even if you don't participate, uh, we always love to support. All right. So to wrap up the show, I love that. Uh, thanks for sharing that. I'm a big fan of uh, the same, right? Cast the characters of, of local. And also, uh, Ana Castillo. Oh, I love. She, you know, she had this book called uh, The Guardians that I just absolutely love. Mm -hmm. it destroyed me at the end. Yeah. And, and her essays, uh, The Massacre of the Dreamers, is so great. It's it, incredible. It, it, I, I just finished her book, uh, So Far From God. Oh, man. And I Excellent writer. cried. I cried more times than I have ever cried at a book. She's made me cry, too. It's crazy. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit it. I don't care. Anyway, so how about we end the show with, uh, do you have a favorite quote about writing or poetry that you'd like to share with our listeners? Sure. Um, so I had mentioned one of, my, one of my favorite writers and one of my inspirations um, being Anais Nin. Um, and uh -huh. she has this wonderful, wonderful quote where she says, we write to taste life twice, in the moment and in retrospect. And I immediately fell in love with that when I read it because it, it talks so honestly about why we do what we do. And that is so we can preserve these memories. We can preserve these reactions to a life that is so absurd that we can do nothing but create art in the face of it. Oh, I love it. What a, what a great way to end today's show. It was an honor having you on. Thank as you. technically our first literary guest and the first of many, uh, I felt it was a perfect way to start it off. And so, guys, be on the lookout for more from Rachel. Um, you know, she has chat books, she'll have CDs. And really, as we, you know, alluded to all night uh, or all day during this podcast, just take, you know, support, go for it. All right. Um, this is it for Power of the Pass. We'll be back uh, for the Bee Moms podcast. My name is Rich. Thanks again, Rachel, for being on the show. Thank you, Richard. See you for next time. Me. Peace. Bye.